Welcome to the Evolving Enterprises podcast. We have stories of growth and transformation. I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Isabel Gennaro. So we we talked quite a lot at the in the previous podcast about um, some of the imbalances in the world and the need to be able to stand in other people's shoes, the need to um, be able to follow how uh, other people are thinking and to be able to encourage change. You mentioned um, everyone has a need to love and want to be loved. It's not something that we so much talk about. In management textbooks, you'll find very little mention of that. But it's absolutely true. The Five Languages of Love, Gary Chapman's work on the five ways in which people express love, it applies in the workplace. It applies everywhere. You, you may not physically touch people in the way that you would with a romantic partner, but you would shake hands with them, you would give them a pat on the back. You can do workplace-appropriate things with fake. The, 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 there are all sorts of things that do apply. Isabel, tell, tell me about your experience of how people express love and what we can do to encourage more of that. In my personal experience, I learned from a very early age how to express love in actions. I think... Brazilian people from Latin America, even people from the south of Europe, we have this connection with emotions and feelings. And it's just, it's actually, you know, so easy to express how you feel and sometimes not in uh, such good ways. <laughs> But what I've learned is that all emotions or all feelings are valid. And when it comes to love, I sense that are still learning how to put love into actions, how to really express love in a coherent way. We come with our own traumas our own baggage and sometimes this can block the translation between the feeling and the actions, the acts of love. So that's why I said when you act in service of life, it is already an act of love. And when you talk about the five languages of love, which is an amazing book that I also recommend. Uh, the book is really amazing and teaching us people have certain ways that they subconsciously choose to express their love. That's beautiful. And I think, yeah, it's something that we need to have more discussions about. People think that love it's mainly related to romantic partnerships and it's not. Like I deeply love this planet. I love nature. I love everything about here. And this is one of the great teachings I received from my connections with indigenous people. Because when you love, you will respect. Love is what unites everything. So yeah, just bringing more of the indigenous perspective into this discussion as well. Yeah, that's fascinating because I think there's quite a lot of blocking of feelings. If I describe quite a number of the meetings that I've been in, you can see some emotions bubbling away a bit. 
And generally those emotions aren't expressed until we get to a point where, um, you know, they can no longer be contained. And I think rather than having a discussion about, is this the way forward? Is that the way forward? Generally, people seem to accept quite a lot. That's certainly been my perspective in Western culture. They feel that they've got to tolerate. They feel it's not right to say what would help in terms of leading them and the people they represent a better pathway. So they tend to accept, and as you say, block. We just have to put up with it. We're just here rather than actually having a productive discussion. And I think, unfortunately, neither blocking and living with it or having a huge great row at the end are necessarily a way to get a productive way forward. It's probably better to have a, well, I don't really see it that way, but how can we work together on this or what can we do? I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who seem to be quite disconnected with how they really feel and what they can do on this earth. And I think that's fascinating. I think just trying to inspire people to have that closer connection, I think, is also interesting. And as you say, love can be not just the traditional kind of romantic love, but love for a planet, love for your discipline, love for particular activity, maybe. People can find love in a whole lot of different ways. Yeah, and love for yourself as well. That's an important kind of love. <laughs> but I think there's a misunderstanding that comes from learning institutions as well. When we are educated into this old system and old structures, we have uh, emotions. Feelings are rather a state of being. You know, it's not the same thing. And then you have the judgment. So what I've learned with the indigenous practices and knowledges is that you need to be able to really feel what is alive in you, feel what is real and really allow yourself to sustain that feeling. And there is no bad or good feelings. Or all feelings are valid. What happens, and there here's the misunderstanding, here's the, the separation, is when you try to understand your feelings with, with this darker mind, this lower mind, where you have doubts, you have illusions, you have judgment and fear and control in this. And then... Trying to understand a feeling. So I will give an example because I know it can sound very abstract. So anger, for instance, it's a positive feeling. When you try to understand anger, when you bring this anger to your mind, it becomes hatred. Same thing, sadness is, it's a valid feeling. When you bring this sadness into your mind, it becomes depression. And then from this judgment, from this classify things and put things into boxes, you are really in separation. And then loneliness is born. So that's the importance of shifting your attention from this judgmental mind to your heart, to this place that my shaman indigenous mentor call the feeling world and it's really it's simple it's really shifting 
the attention from the mind to the heart. And everyone can do it. When, for example, I get an email from, from our, our tax department and it says, we would like you to fill in this form. You know, I'm boiling with rage. What do I do with that feeling? So I'm boiling with rage. The emails come in. What do I do? <laughs> so first step is really to stay in this feeling, is really to feel what is alive without the judgment of, oh, I shouldn't be, or I should be, or this or that, is really to feel and then to question, really to go beyond that feeling and ask, okay, so where is this coming from? Is it coming from fear or is it coming from a place of love and understanding? And really to always try to go even deeper and even like beyond the feeling. Like there is the feeling and then question, okay, so why am why? Like, why am I feeling this way? What is behind this? What is the need behind this? And then to really question yourself and really reflect on that, you sustain the feeling. Allow yourself to feel it, but you go beyond it. And then when you have this comprehension, for instance, like pain becomes comprehension when you are looking at it from a different perspective. It can become like a greater lesson if you are able to move from the suffering perspective into comprehension. And I feel that this is the major root cause that can lead us to really understand how to shift systems. Because everyone is looking at so many different things, but this is the root, how we relate to ourselves first that's the order like how do you relate to yourself then how do you relate to others and how do you relate to nature to the planet so we have these three levels and yeah it's a journey really to to be able to have this awareness because Martin, we will always have problems we will always have issues we will have like many things happening to our life but the, the key is really, how do you choose to react? What is the quality behind your action? Absolutely. Yes. So making the conscious choice rather than mm -hmm. just boiling with rage and then writing some snotty email or something back. Yeah, absolutely. It is yeah, a choice. And it's not like you can still like boil in rage. It's, it is a good thing because anger moves you. But then knowing how to express this anger in a way. Have you heard of the work of uh, Marshall Rosenberg? He wrote a book called uh, Nonviolent Communication. His work has shaped a lot of my work too. And I recommend to everyone that is listening to this podcast. We've talked quite a bit in the previous episode about your journey of looking at the North and the South and the experiences of people trying to find empathy. Who is it that inspired you to want to change the world? My shaman mentor in Brazil, definitely. She inspired me. She inspires me every day. Like 99% of everything that I know today is because of her teachings and her work and also big leaders of humanity. I'm not a religious person, but People like Jesus, Mary Magdalene, and so on. One common factor is that they were all 
trying to be service oriented, I feel inspired by anyone that has this altruistic and compassionate servant leadership. Absolutely, you're right. And I think there's something very powerful about that because they're genuinely doing it for your good, not for somebody else's good, for your good. So what, what led you to find your mentor in Brazil? I was going through a lot in a personal level, in a romantic relationship. I was going through a lot. I was depressed. And then I got a recommendation from a friend, actually, that I should meet her. And it changed my life. It's crazy. I do believe some things, they are just meant to be. And I'm deeply grateful. We met in a moment where I was so lost and in a dark place. It completely changed my life because I committed to my inner transformation. And I think it's not an easy journey, but it is possible. And it does, as you say, it takes a, a lot of commitment. And there's, there's something in your being that almost says, you don't want to go down there. There's, if you're going to go and do some real deep soul searching, there's some you know, difficult stuff to wrestle with. It sounds like you've been on a journey. You've gone through the, the sort of tough phases and you've been really inspired, which is amazing. Thank you. Yes. One other thing that is very smart for people to do is really to look for help and allow yourself to receive help, to receive support. I think that's also something very important. Oh, yes. There's a kind of classic thing about British men never asking for directions. Well, mm -hmm. you need to these days with a navigation system, but occasionally you do. Occasionally it just doesn't work. But people are so determined to find somewhere without bothering anybody else. That extends all the way through life that we, we are certainly not designed to be alone. We are designed to work collaboratively and with other people. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, we don't all have all the answers, no matter how powerful you are, no matter what your, your job title. It's surprising how many people, how many CEOs are really in need of people to just help them through the, the tough times. Um, how many people who are, you know, parents just need sort of guidance and help. And we don't know it all. We don't have all the answers. And the more that we can rely on others and help them in turn, the, the better we are. That's great. So if you had a magic wand, what would it do? What, what would happen when you wave it? Again, it may sound cliche, but I would use it to reconnect people with their hearts, with the feeling world that I mentioned before. There's a space that is very different. It's a very different language in the beginning. So shifting their attention from fear to love. And then from there, people would be able to operate. From love. Can you imagine that? For example, re-envisioning finance so that it would be in service of life. And that's just one example. There are so many other possibilities. Like I, I remember when I started my career, I was like being a consultant for NGOs, like volunteering because I was just graduated from my master's degree. I wanted to contribute somehow. And I was trying to find work like that I could receive 
income as well. So I said, you know what, I'm going to start doing it like volunteer work. I, I have the energy. I want to, to do something. And then I bumped into Evans from the Mengawendi Orphan Care Trust in Zimbabwe. And we were trying to raise some funds. And he told me his story, like he was taking care of these orphan kids and they were building a village for them. And it was very dry. There was no rain. They were running out of food. And he was very worried. And he told me, like, actually, I'm not interested in money. I want help to, like, really design the village and bring in equipment so we can have food here. Like, we can plant and feed the boys and everything. And, and I remember I contact so many people trying to find what he needed and all the answers I received were like oh I'm sorry this is so complex we are grants they don't fit in this project and for me it was so like what that's crazy so what that's just one example like why it's so important to be in service of life in our system we are still inverted opposite values and yeah that just illustrates like the need to create systems transformation. Absolutely. The main thing is that it needs to, as you, as you say, it needs to serve people. The system needs to be there to help people to do well. And it's a, a reinforcing process. If you can get people to um, live well and um, you know, they, they will inspire others and help others. And that means that there's a whole lot less people that you need to physically help from that first, that first instance. People will help others and help you along the journey. So it's amazing, isn't it, to get, and if you could, act, could, could get more and get more people to, as you say, reconnect and uh, make decisions based on what really matters, that would be awesome. Awesome. You've, you've worked in quite a number of countries. You've worked in Sweden, the USA, Brazil, Denmark, etc. Thinking about the differences in those uh, countries, have you seen there's a kind of different way that you need to engage people in helping them to change in the different nations? Yes, definitely. But again, I always keep in mind that in the end, we all have the same needs because we are all humans. But of course, like our stories are different, our cultures are different. So I always need to adapt and change my narrative, like the way I speak, depending on who I am interacting with. So, I, for instance, like, people from the global north usually what i perceive because oh i forgot to mention here so i in my work at indigenous and modern which is my organization we develop learning experiences and programs for people everywhere global south global north and then we bring those people together into the same ecosystem and it's very fascinating to, to have the whole planet in one Zoom room. <laughs> and it's very interesting because people from the global north, I see that they usually have this more analytical, structured way of living. And people from the global north are more into a, a certain flow. So it's interesting because what lacks in, in the global South, it's actually what 
the global north has. And so the opposite is also true. That's why it's not about separation. It's about coming together. It's about union. It's about like, how can we help each other? How can we serve each other with our different skills and characteristics and stories? Because if you understand the stories, then you can really connect in a deeper level. And then we can change so many things because we are so much stronger together. There is that very analytical, structural sort of approach, isn't there? Which I suppose when you grow up in that kind of community, you just sort of accept it, the decisions are made in that way mm-hmm. that we, we go with that. And, and perhaps that is one of the reasons why we become a bit, bit more disconnected from the way that we feel about things because you know, analytically it's the best thing to do. Analytically the best thing to do is get a mortgage, buy a house, all those sorts of things. But maybe that leads you to have to work somewhere which doesn't really connect you very well with your, your feelings. So it, I think you're absolutely right. I think we do focus too much on the analytical and we, we need to connect our hearts into um, what we do. And it's a very wise um, view on how we can take forward some of these transformative activities and transform our, our lives, not just our organisations, but our lives, our nations, our, um, our governments, our, our ways of, of, of working. Isabel, it's a huge pleasure talking with you. So thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was lovely. Thank you. This was the Evolving Enterprises podcast, Stories of Growth and Transformation with Isabel Gennaro. 